And then he then he stopped talking about that, and he instead said, "Well, I'm in a lot of pain too. Sometimes three or four times a day, sometimes twenty times a day, and it goes away at some point, right?" Yeah. So then people were talking about, "What do you do when you're in the midst of the writhing on the floor, intense pain from from the from the cancer, mm-hmm. right, or whatever ails you?" and EJ said, I just write it out, you know. Uh, and then he says, you know, you can up your meds. <laughs> Take more painkillers, right? So um, all of this this help just poured in from different channels and different people and different experiences. But the thing that stuck with me, the whole thing was pretty, pretty wonderful to be to be part of, to be, to be, to be there for, right? Um, but the thing that caught me of, of everything that was said was the fact that EJ kept coming back to the idea of like, we're all going to go, we're all going to die, but it's like, you can die with dignity. Yeah. That's what it's all about. How do you spend your time? I, I, I can't remember if I, if I was one of the first to get in on Tuesday and Tuesdays, I don't normally get in because I go to, go to my uh, Tai Chi. I have to, and I got to get out as quickly as possible. But I noticed the realness there. And um, well, so I was how do you proud die of it? Proud of whom? The whole thing. Yeah. Me too. Me yeah. too. Well, EJ also, he didn't necessarily rule out the possibility of the assistance. No, no. He said, not at all. He said, you know, at some point, maybe that's what you got to do. And that was when he said, are there times when you're not in pain? And then um, Vilnius said a little bit about how he's he gets into so much pain, he's writhing on the floor. And there's nothing but pain, nothing else exists. And... Um, you know what I liked is what he said about sensation. Like if you switch pain to sensation, yeah. it's uh it's 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 not it's fairly easy to do in a way because it's interesting. Pain can be very interesting, right? And for characters like you guys who are interested in stuff, you know, it'd just be like flipping the switch. Right? <laughs> no, no, I I I I know what you're talking about, Jim. I know, I know the the space where one can say, "Ah, well, I don't like this, but I can also like go. It's an experience. It's a thing. It's a sensation. You know that word works really well. But there's other words I'm sure people can use if that one doesn't work for them. Theater. Yeah. Big theater. Oh, look, I'm Big. on the floor. There's nothing else but pain. Yeah. Look what he does. <laughs> when well, when is this play over? Well, Claude also mentioned something really interesting, and that was looking for a quiet spot. Aha, uh-huh. that's right. Which, which I thought was whoa. If you've got a private spot, a quiet spot. You've got you're you're the audience then mm-hmm. a little bit. You can be an audience rather than the you know the character or you know the bad actor. 
the experience. Watch, watch, watch this thing go by, and it's like, wow, look at this. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> Who programmed this into the human experience? Light him up. <laughs> wow, wow. So how? So you guys have watched, <clears throat> watched your. You've been around watching both your parents pass, right? And I was I was telling a story to to Claude last night about watching my dad pass, mm. and and I I don't think my sorry dad, but I don't think you went out with dignity, right? Uh-huh. I was my my impression that my dad was like, what the hell is happening, right? He was pretty drugged up. He he was um, on ventilators and all sorts of stuff. He got MRSA. Uh, at the end, that was what what took him down, and um, he had beaten cancer more or less, only to die of MRSA. Um, and what I the hit I got from my dad while while we were there with him when he passed, because we had to have a meeting about pulling the plug, so we were there because it was like this isn't going to change. So family meeting time, mm-hmm. we're going to pull the plug on my father and his stepmother. His my stepmother was there, you know, his his second wife, who you know I didn't I wasn't very close to at all. So she was there. My mom was there, and my sisters. Right. So and we had a meeting. It was like okay. This isn't going to change. Yeah, I I vote yes, and everybody voted unanimously yes. You know, even if some people were very Christian in the room and thought maybe it might break some law of the Christian world to pull the plug. And up until that point, I, the reason I was so on board with pulling it was like my dad was so bewildered and um, frightened and scared really scared he was really scared even even if the drugs were there he would he would wake up kind of from the stupor of all the painkillers and whatnot and just shake his head just shake his head like trying to shake it off like a boxer who just got smashed in the head right trying no, to shake it off very conscious nope couldn't say a word okay. couldn't say a word we weren't sure whether he recognized who was in the room he kind of you could see him when he woke up from the dream he would look at us kind of, right? The recognition may or may not have been, because in those moments too, we, we, we can, I know I can project like, oh yeah, he's recognizing us, but maybe that's not what's going on. Yeah, had, yeah, that's easy. Had, he, had he presented any uh, sense that he wanted to go? He sent he, he he presented to me that he was frightened, so he was fighting it like a uh-huh. like a dog caught in a like an animal caught in a trap. Yeah. That's what the wow. head shaking was like. You know, I want to shake it off, right? To shake it off. Like, what's going on? Like, it was, I think it was very surprising that he found himself in that predicament. So I don't know that he had time to kind of go out slowly and like with recognition that this is happening in the sort of long exit that some people have. My dad had a, a relative, not a short exit, but it was quick. Yeah. Well, that's so... I was saying to myself while this was going on, I was like, my dad is not prepared for this. Uh, Whatever's happening in, inside of him right now, this isn't what he prepared for, or if he even maybe didn't even prepare for it. Right. Um, and it was shock and it, it looked, it looked awful. Like it really looked awful to watch him go through that. And to me, that's that moment. I'm, that's going to stay with me till I go. Yeah. And I, 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 um, when EJ mentioned like, you you know you can die with dignity. I was like, well, that's not the way my dad went, right? 
So for me, it's like, I don't really know what it is, but I have a picture and experience of what it's not. Mm -hmm. That's very well said, all that. <laughs> I mean, it's your dad and it's death and it's important and it's really, you got the essence of it there, of the problem we're all faced with, right? I mean, and that's the part where you going back and saying, it's, hey, <laughs> everybody's jumping in the pool, kids. <laughs> everybody's jumping in the pool. And, and I mean, that's the thing. you got to be, like when he said that his phrase, death should come as a lover. Mm -hmm. From the book, yeah. That sounds good to me. You know, that sounds like <laughs> a better idea, you know, gargoyles and shit, you then, know. Then, I mean, then the Grim Reaper with a sigh. Uh, <laughs> that's a little, yeah. that's a bit strong, no? But it's a nice tone. And and the way he talked and the group was, was, was really loving, softly loving, mm -hmm. you know, like not gushy, softly, you know. Really, really. No, there weren't. There weren't extra words, which is really no. nice. So, what about you when you watched your parents go? How did, how was how was that? How, were you there for that moment when they when they uh, when the off button was pushed? That one. Um, I I wasn't in the room when um, when. Uh, when he took his last breath, which I, I, I wish I had been, um, the, uh, the, the nurse uh, had come in and, and uh, when I talked to her in the afternoon, she had said, um, he, he's, he's probably going to pass during the night, uh, or tomorrow morning. So I was, um, I was just upstairs when when somebody called when my son called me and the it it didn't seem like it was my dad was very strong willed he he's much stronger willed than I am so I, I don't know whether it's it's also a repressive suppressive sort of strongness which which it could be as well but uh, i remember um, a little bit earlier my mom had said, had said to him i i don't know i'm i don't know what's going to happen when i die i'm terrified right and and he said just just make you and and i think she was talking about pain and and he said just make yourself that you're going to survive it, that you're going to, or, or that you're going to be able to endure it. And mo most of the time that last week he was, um, after the initial Monday, he, I think he passed on the Thursday, but after the initial Monday, he, he didn't talk anymore. He just didn't have the strength to talk. And then Tuesday and onwards, often he'd be he he'd be passed out or asleep, and sometimes he'd be awake, and you could tell it was turning to one side, and then turning to the other side, and just very anxious. And then and then we'd um, 
We take the brain. Where is it? Where is that place that I like to be? Yeah, and, and we we take the syringe, and and so there was a site already established with the with the tube, and so they poke it with a metal needle, and then they leave a plastic, really thin plastic tube in there. So we would go and okay, it's four hours or whatever the time period was, and we'd just push. Um, it's like a spongy sort of thing, so you push it in and turn it so it's a, it's a tight seal and then just gently push. And um, the nurse would say, yeah, it's, it's going to burn a little bit when it first goes. And, and that was the morphine and whatever other drugs. And uh, so, I mean... Pretty much by by the time he went, he was pretty much passed out. Um, I I don't know if he opened his eyes. I mean, we we uh, when he was awake, we 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 talked, we'd communicate with him, and my nieces would communicate. And uh, my niece and my uh, sister-in-law, they were in the room when he did pass, but they didn't, you know, I. I, I don't know. They just said it was one long, long breath. And that was it. Do, do you think, do you think that it's, um, I, I'm just using my imagination here. So uh, mm -hmm. that's all, that's all I'm working with here is, is, do you think it's, um, I can either be on the morphine and sleep away. Right. And I'm not talking. I don't have any energy. <laughs> So I can exist like this or I could die. Mm -hmm. So I, for me, I wonder if it gets to the point where the this or versus that somehow death seems like a, like a welcome idea. If I, I'm wondering if it feels at some point where it's welcomed. I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, my best thing I ever got about death was my grandpa when I was about 10. And he goes, you live, you die. What's the problem? <laughs> you know, like it's not like a problem. You live, you die. It's 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 reality. It's just a thing. It's just a game. And his tone of voice was just like that. It was just like, no problem. Just live. And then you'll die. And so the tonality, I think, to me, is the, is the key to understanding how you're, I'm doing. If I hear, listen to my tone of voice, that's how I tell how I'm doing. The words aren't as important, you know, so. Uh, hold, hold on, my, my muscles starting to cramp up. My muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help, Jazzy. Is there somebody I should call? I can do that. So I, I was just thinking sometimes it, it, it's like that. And you must say, okay, stop moving, stop moving. Okay, it's gone, it's gone. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, there's, there, is a, there is a fear, right? So um, I don't know if I'll be able to be what Jim was just, just talking about, neither up nor down. You know, will I, will I get... Will I get frightened like my dad or uh, and say, I don't really know what comes next. And I'm um, 
I don't know what that's going to be like. I mean, I've read some books. There's, of course, the Christian thing that I was raised with where, you know, I, I don't expect to go to heaven. But, you know, I don't think I'm a bad guy. I don't think I'm going to hell either. So it's a bit of I'm in the middle, I think. Um, so there's that. My grandfather, when he took off, I was doing my summer camping trip and I had just been to West Virginia to see him before Elaine and I headed west. We went to see him because he was, you know, was he's 101 and was maybe slower than he used to be. And so I got a call on the road um, in my, I think we were in Montana and his grandfather had passed. But, but what was said to me by my grandmother was that he had had a dream where he met the Lord mm. and the Lord said, we have a place for you here, Ormond, wow. and uh, we're waiting for you. So in that dream for him, and he was never loud or even even soft. He never talked about religion or, or he went to church, but he didn't talk about it, right? It was just something he did. So the idea that my grandfather took peace from this dream where the Lord, the good Lord was welcoming him to the, mm-hmm. to, to the afterlife, I'll be there for you, Ormond welcome that was all he needed so i'm told it's the story that's told about his passing that's all he needed to to go quietly let's say or calmly into into the night um so i i don't know like those are things i ask but you now have those two scenarios you're rich right you have your father and your grandfather two different scenarios and you're rich because you have those yeah. You know, and you're you're being guided by the scenarios, you know, and that's the, if you can accept guidance. I think that's a big step. I was thinking, could your father be talking with us right now, even when he was in good shape? Like, could he talk about this stuff? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh gosh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, you see, that's just being able to approach it, because I mean, that's the thing. It's ridiculous how unapproachable death is in our society. Ridiculous. Yeah, and my dad was so um, against the idea of death <laughs> that his yeah. that his 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 uh, will and his. His his what he left behind was really messy, right, and incomplete because yeah. he didn't he did even though he had cancer and had more or less beat it and was living with the 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 the, the reverberations of having a pretty pretty serious kind of cancer and he he was living a a life that was for him decent, right? He adjusted mm-hmm. to to certain things that cancer took away from him. Even with that scare, he didn't prepare. Right, the will was a bit messy. The 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 the, the money for my mother versus the the new the new wife and the kids, you know. He he told me lies. It was really weird. So one of the strange uh. things that my dad did did is that because my mom is very prepared, right? She's got everything in order. It's all like, if you took a loan from her, she writes it down. And so that comes off your inheritance, right? <laughs> if you pay it back, she's got a little ledger. It was like, okay, you nice. know, whatever, whatever. Nice. I loaned him $15,000 and they've given me back five. So that's 10 off their inheritance, right? <laughs> you know, 
very much from her family. Her parents were the uh, same way, my grandmother that I was describing. So what was really interesting is my dad, when I went to visit one day and, you know, and I was like, well, yeah, you know, mom, mom's grateful for all. Because he's like, well, you know, I got to give your mom alimony. Jeez, I'm giving her so much alimony. I'm like, well, you know, you, I didn't say it, but like you cheated on her. And you, <laughs> you <laughs> like you weren't the, you, you, you were the, you were in the wrong. So you, you're paying for that, right? Those little excursions you took, right? And then you married one of them, right? So, um, so. And he, I say, well, Dad, you know, here's a way to think about it. I was maybe in my 40s, right? Maybe late 30s, early 40s. And I said, Dad, here's what I, here's the way I would think about it: is she's never going to spend that money. It's just going to come to us. <laughs> so think of her as like a bank for your inheritance. Well, I was lucky. You guys know my whole story with my parents being here which was bred by Mr. Baines's parents being living with them all the time. It was kind of like, uh, it looked like not a bad idea on a lot of ways. And so my mom, I died in the hospital. I was there after a long, you know, a year or two of wonderfulness with her. And I started reading right away. And I teased her before, of course, I teased her just before she died that she couldn't share my croissant because she wanted some. And um, which was lighthearted, really. It was lighthearted, right? And then started reading, and Mary kept people away. So it wasn't weird. I didn't have any weirdness. First time to try the readings in a meaningful way like that. And it was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. Maybe the coolest thing. Be quietly. And... Uh, and then my dad, I just missed him. He was just, I was a few minutes late when I read for him. But but I think having that as a tool for us is really, really good. As, as bumbling as we may be about it and, you know, unsure about whether we're helping kind of thing, it's a tool. Well, well we know for sure, for me anyway, I know it helps me. Mm, mm, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, it helps me, it resonates, and, and I, I sometimes think that the more it helps me, like if you have like a really good, deep, powerful reading, the better it is for the, for the voyager, the one who's just departed. Dignity? <laughs> I don't know how it's going to be, I don't know if I'm in and out of sleep. I, I know another friend of mine who passed away and he had a brain tumor and, and he was in hospice care. And, and basically he just, just, just sort of slept away. Just, you know, they try and wake him up for his meals and stuff. He'd sometimes wake up, sometimes he wouldn't, but just generally just be passed out, maybe drugged out if you like. Um, but, at least it seems on the surface that they're not in so much anguish and pain, but we don't really know if, if uh, what's going on inside or outside or where, where the person happens to be. What I really liked was being for the first time aware of the quantitative difference between a live body and a dead body. 
it, there was a quantitative quality, qualitative, quantitative quality that was really apparent to me sort of as an animal, I think. I, it wasn't like a, a head thing. It was an animal thing. Alive, not here, dead. Boom. I don't know if you guys remember. Maybe I've, I'm sure I've told you that I used to work at a funeral home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was really interesting to run into the ABT, the American Book of the Dead, after um, after that experience. I don't, I don't think... No. Trying to put things together. Around the same time, not not like I took a course or anything. That was much much mm-hmm. later, but the 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 running into the the institute and 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 EJ and all that was was nearby. Not 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 any coincidental connection, but the it felt really helpful to have a couple of years of tending to the dead from a oh, right purely there. business standpoint, right? Like it was my job was to go. One of my main jobs was to go get the body right when it passed <laughs> so and because the funeral home was in a very posh part of cleveland <gasps> oh. <laughs> um sometimes people were which was was unusual in those days in the 80s was that they were they died at home like they were fortunate enough to have enough money to have a caretaker mm-hmm. live with them and they wanted to pass it home <clears throat> so um so we would go to the home and that was always, you know, kind of profound because we would be meeting not often. It could be just the caretaker, but that's not really, that's not really very often. Mostly it was the whole family was there. The people were there with them as they, they were going to go, right? Like we've talked about. So we would walk into a, um, an intense moment Right with the family there, the their their loved one had just passed. Did granddad or grandma or whoever just had passed, and maybe twenty minutes ago, right? Mm-hmm. And then we show up, college kids, right? And in our suits, right? Maybe we were smoking dope just before the phone came in, you know. And so we would have to put our suits on and get get in that space, right? to be professional, right? And the guy that I was my partner in this was really took it very seriously, right? We 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 showed up and it was very clear. It's not like there was a lot of training, but you were we were supposed to be without emotion, kind of stone-faced, mm-hmm. right? And we walked into a space that we didn't know what it could it could be many things. You don't mm-hmm. I mean when when somebody passes, the family around them can be in all, they could be drunk. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of them were just <laughs> drunk because that's how they dealt with it. Right. Yeah. And so we would come in and it was like placid. And then we would they would say the body is upstairs in the bedroom to the right. <laughs> we go, OK. And we look at the stairs and we're like, oh, man, it's a winding staircase. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's hope they're not fat. <laughs> because the whole family's gonna watch right yeah (laughs) so we would take the gurney up the steps right in our suits and 
open the door. Maybe someone would be there, right? Still with the with the body because they didn't. They were still saying goodbye, right? And and then you say, "Oh man, they're fat." <laughs> <laughs> so then you'd have to come. We'd come down the steps, uh, right, with the uh, gurney and a fat guy on it or a fat lady on it, uh, and he have to keep that face, right? <laughs> you can't you one one couldn't strain right we couldn't strain right we had to be we were like we were these sort of invisible creatures who showed up and took the body away mm-hmm. and it was so so profound because we were taking away dad granddad whoever grandma mom cousin we were taking them away like we were the ones who were like the that's it they're gone and they're in the hearse and they're gone. And we were the two guys who took them. So we the had a lot of tra- Grim Reapers. The, the Grim yeah. Reapers in training. <laughs> it was really interesting, right, to to be in that space because it was like a, a real space. I mean, just like just like the Tuesday uh, Tuesday Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. It was real. And this was like part of this was what we did, you know. Mm-hmm.